So I want to talk to you this morning about the spirit of Elijah and the battle with the Jezebel spirit. <laughs> Something a little light and airy. Love, love, love. Uh, I felt like the the Lord's really been has really put this on my heart for several weeks. You know, we're kind of tis the season to be fighting witches, and um, you know, I always find that when this season comes along, um, it really is a, a, a celebration, and it's the harvest for the um, for the occult, and it, and it's also Ramadan. So there's a lot of occult activity going on, and and as a prophet. I don't know about y'all, but I can just feel it. Can you feel it? Like just just an increase of the activity. So I just wanted to this morning talk to you about something that I have personal experience with, unfortunately. Um, but if you are, if and we are the generation, I believe, uh, of the Lord's return. Um, so I think we need to understand how the spirit of Jezebel works, um, because. Uh, before the great and coming uh, day of the Lord, the, the spirit of Elijah will be in the land again. Um, it says in Malachi 4, uh, 5 through 6, it says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so there is a prophetic word out there that he is going to come, and before Jesus comes the second time, the spirit of Elijah will be in the land. Now, the spirit of Elijah was in the land when he came the first time, and it rested on John the Baptist. And what it and the purpose was to turn the hearts of the, that generation back to God. So, the, so what the spirit of Elijah does is it is it operates in order to help with the transition, so that the people of God will be ready and be prepared for when he returns. And so, when you begin to see the prophetic returning to the body of Christ, you know that the spirit of Elijah is in the land. <clears throat> now, the spirit of Elijah is not like that happy prophet guy. Because the spirit of Elijah deals with a lot of error in the body of Christ. And so, uh, and, which is why uh, Jezebel is intent and set on killing the, anybody that has the spirit of Elijah. Um, so my goal is to help us understand how this spirit operates and how it's trying to kill the prophetic voice, to keep the prophetic voice silent, and, and, and to thwart the building of, of, of fruitful kingdom lives ministries and businesses because it operates not just in the church it doesn't just come against the leadership of the church but it actually will thwart because all of us are called to different mountains of influence each one of us are kings in a mountain and and so what the spirit of Elijah does is it tries to silent and hinder it's a hindering spirit it tries to hinder the forward movement 
of the spirit of Elijah, wherever it is that you are called to um, declare the um, sovereignty and the um, and the um, uh, the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to share with you some of my own personal experiences with this spirit throughout the message which for me is going to be a little bit uh, challenging, but I'm going to do it anyway. And by the way, I want to just pause because um, Gary Duda is with us, and I just want to honor him as a father of the faith, not just in this house and how he has been a father to John and I, but also how he's been a father to so many leaders in the body of Christ um, across the nations. So can you guys give him a hand? Because I want to acknowledge him before we leave. Gary, it's interesting that I'm speaking about this today because it was Gary and Danise that really helped um, John and I after we got hit with this um, uh, spirit of Jezebel. And he helped to um, heal us. You know, he helped to set us free and, and bring a lot of healing to us. So anyway. Um, all right, I want to put this in context. The spirit of Elijah was on John the Baptist, like I said, um, and it will be on the, the, you, this generation, um, before the Lord's return. And the purpose is to prepare the way of the Lord by turning the hearts of the people of the land um, back to the Lord. And so uh, there is a clarion call, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the spirit of Elijah has that particular clarion call. And it's like that, like you've heard me speak in the past about setting a trumpet to our mouth. God right now, what he's doing is he's raising up the prophetic in the land. And what it's doing is it's beginning to uh, tear down, establish, multiply, increase, advance, and and, and thwart the plans of the enemy. And so we have the privilege of being to, being able to open up in advance, but also being able to shut the mouth of the enemy, right? And so, um, and that's what, that's what the spirit of Elijah did when it was in the land, uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Um, you are a company of prophets that are walking in signs, wonders, with the word of the Father in your mouth, releasing heaven to earth. And you are going to awaken stir up and awaken um, the people of God out of their slumber. And you're going to remind them of their destiny and their mission in God. You're going to remind them of their identity, of who they are, and you're going to remind them of their destiny and the things that they've been called to do. This is truly generational reformation because not only are you going to say, turn back to God. Do you remember the clarion call of, of Joan of Arc? Her clarion call was turn back to God. The thing that God told her to do, I want you to turn this nation back to God. It's no small thing, but I'm telling you that, that, that it can be done if we will open our mouths and not tolerate this spirit called Jezebel. Amen. The other thing is that we will turn, this, this, this spirit of Elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children to the fathers. Another indication that we are in the last days is when you see evil in the land that is, that is um, uh, called good. And that good creates a fatherlessness in a whole generation. Because what evil does is evil says, I'm more important than you. And evil has a selfish 
and a self-loving um, um, uh, attribute to it. And so when fathers and mothers love themselves, they cannot love their children. When they are so consumed with their own needs and putting their own needs and their own selfish needs above the needs of their children, their children are fatherless. Their children are motherless. They are neglected. They are abandoned because money's more important. My needs are more important than your needs. And I'm going to leave to make sure that my pleasures get met. Come on. Now the spirit of Elijah hastens the adoption into the family of God. It has an adoptive uh, 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 nature to it. And as the prophets that are in the land, they begin to release the word of the Lord in the land. It actually begins to wake up the people to realize that they are sons of God and they are in the family of God. Now, the Jezebel spirit operates, let me just say this, it operates um, in and through people, but it is not people. We're not, I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about a spirit, but a spirit that rides on people. So, love the people, hate the, hate the demon, right? And it also uh, does not know gender. This is not, even though it's a woman's name, it, is, it does not know gender. Um, it, is, it comes and, uh, and uses both men and women. Now, Ephesians 6, um, 12 tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So we know that we're not wrestling against a person. When I speak, I'm telling you, it is a prevalent spirit that is in the land. And the reason that I know this is because I can look at the political hierarchy over us right now, and I can see that the Jezebel spirit is working and it is alive. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Yep, mm -hmm, I'm going there. All right, so um, I'm going to talk to you in terms of, 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 of a personal, of Jezebel in our personal lives, Jezebel in terms of the church and, and in terms of the business, because I have seen how destructive it has operated in families, how destructive it is in businesses when tolerated, and how destructive it is in the church when tolerated. So turn in your Bibles to uh, Revelation 2. And uh, Revelation 2, verse 18. So we're talking about the church of Thyatira. Now, this, it, it, my Bible calls it the corrupt church, but actually it's the tolerant church because that's what it's doing. It's tolerating something. All right. These things says the Son of God. Who? Who's talking? Red letters. The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. These are all good things. He's praising the church because he's saying, I know you. I know I'm watching you. I see you and, and what you're doing. And he says this, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. He's saying, I see that you're growing. I see that you're growing, and, and, and the way that you are now is so much greater than you were in the past. And so he sees their, their, um, their love, their faith, and their patience. Man, I'm telling you, that right there is a praise report. Hold on.
Anybody want to get me nachos, you're welcome. Still haven't eaten. Praise the Lord. I was actually thinking last night as I was preparing my message, I thought, this is, you know you're hungry when. Um, I was thinking, wow, I could like pass out popcorn to everybody this morning. <laughs> could I get Anne Marie to do that? <laughs> yeah, she said no. Okay, so sorry about that. Um, Nevertheless, I have these few things against you. Because you allow, say allow, that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and th- eat things sacrificed to idols. Huh. Now, I want you to notice something about this. Jesus did not call her a prophetess. She called herself a prophetess. That woman that calls herself, and so she has actually named herself and declared herself to be a prophetess. And, and, and the thing about her is that she was given a place of influence. She was given a place of influence in the church. She was given a place to teach. And she was given a place of authority, okay? And it says here um, that her prophecies were obviously accurate. It doesn't mean that she wasn't flowing in power, Obviously, she calls herself a prophetess, and she was received by the church. So, therefore, there must have been some accuracy. She must have been walking in in power. Um, And really, her influence is due to the nearness of those in authority. She's given influence in their lives and those around her because they they are saying yes, and they're tolerating this. Now, this is a spirit, okay? Um, and it goes on to say that she seduced the bond servants of the Lord to be involved in immorality, sexual immorality, it says, but immorality, which is physical pleasure outside of the will of God, and idolatry, which is accessing God through any other means other than the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about that because she's teaching them idolatry. So she's been given a place of hierarchy or a place of influence to begin to teach the bondservants of the Lord. Now, this is a thriving church. This is a growing church filled with love and everything. But, the, but, but this spirit has been given access to actually lead the people of God astray. Because what what's happening is through the, the, um, the immorality and through the idolatry, um, she is defiling the people of God, both um, physically and spiritually. Physically with the immorality and spiritually with the idolatry. Now, um, I can tell you that that 100%, you you guys have been here uh, this summer, those of you that have been here, you've heard me teaching on accessing heaven and accessing God, and, and, and getting to God. Anybody that teaches trying to get to God through themselves and not through the power of the Holy Spirit is a spirit guide. I, we actually have a, a Buddhist temple, and I just found this out two weeks ago, which is incredible to me. Um, the, uh, we have a Buddhist temple that's right next door to us who, who has just opened like uh, less than a year ago. I found out that they are teaching 
and uh, practicing an occult-type uh, behavior that is only taught and only practiced in very few Buddhist temples. And what they do is they chant to get into to get to God, so that they uh, they follow the demonic to get to God. They chant to Buddha. And Buddha takes them to God where they then become one with Buddha and Buddha inhabits their being. And, and so therefore, everywhere they go, Buddha, is, it, it inhabits them. And I thought, wow, that sounds like the sons of God. Uh, it is an interesting that, that, that the, the, the altar of Baal gets put right here next to the, the spirit of Elijah, the, the true sons of God. Amen. Come on. <clears throat> Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 through 21. He said, idol worshipers uh, are interacting with demon spirits. Listen, these guys have power. Do, no mistake about it. You know, interacting with demonic spirits, you're going to flow in power. But the power of God, and we'll see this when we talk about Elijah um, and, and his showdown with the prophets of Baal. The power of God and the blood of Jesus is greater. In fact, one of their their high priest came over here, and he asked me, um, what is this place? And I said, well, we're a house of prayer. And he said, well, can you rent it? And I said, uh, uh, no. What, what do you mean? Well, I just see that there's a lot of things going on here. Is it like a club? And I said, no, it's a house of prayer. House of prayer, you know, a church, let's put it in language, you know, it's a church, we're a church, well, can I rent this space out? No. And so I didn't know who he was until I went to uh, ask him if I could pray for him. I said, can I pray for you? And I started to go to put my hand on him, and he backed away, like jumped, and he said, no, you can't pray for me. And I said, well, and I started praying for him anyway. In the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would be blessed as he's backing out and walking out the door. I'm like, okay, come on. I'm just going to set up an altar and dig a trench around it, throw some water on it, and let's have a showdown, shall we? <laughs> All right. Um, blah, 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 blah. Where am I? Mashorda bahashantia. All right, so the net result of the uh, spirit of Jezebel is it shuts people down to fellowship with God and with people. Um, this hindering spirit is the objective. It, the objective is to silence the prophet because the prophets, because he doesn't want the people to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And I'm telling you, this showdown is about to get really fun. All right, that word allow, it actually means to allow, or, or it, um, in, the, in the King James Version, it says to tolerate. Um, it means to allow one to do as he wishes. Did you know that the first commandment in the Satanic Bible is do what thou will? The Jezebel spirit is subtle, and it works through spiritual intimidation. Now listen to me. It works through spiritual intimidation. It is a spirit. It works through lying. It works through fear. And it works through deception. Now, I believe that the hierarchy and the leadership 
in the political realm over our nation right now is operating in the Jezebel spirit. They have put a net of deception through lies and the twisting of information and words, and it's caused uh, like a cloak to come over the people of God, like a dullness to come over the people of God. There was a, I heard a story from some pastors who went up to Congress, and they, st- they were challenging um, the Senate and the Congress person by person. They were going room by room, and they were saying, if you guys would have the courage to stand up for righteousness, for morality, and so they're challenging them, they turned around and said to these pastors, you go first. They said, we don't have courage because you are silent. Because we think for some reason that what's happening in the nation isn't our business. You know, I love Lance Wallnow, who, by the way, has a spirit of Elijah, and God is on him, and God is raising him up. This is a prophetic word. God is raising him up in this hour, and he is going to be more than just about the seven mountains. God is about to propel him into the White House as with the spirit of Elijah, and that man has a sword in his mouth and in his hand, and I'm telling you, what he says, he is going to challenge the, these altars of Baal that are being set up by these spirits of, of Jezebel. So here's the thing. This is how it operates. So the spirit of Jezebel, it, again, it's a spirit. It's not a person. What it does is it, it you go to uh, address it. You would go to correct, and it's actually something that hinders you. And you don't understand, but it's like you can't get your words out. You can't, all, everything you're trying to say seems twisted and what you're trying to say feels hindered. Like in the spirit, your spirit man feels hindered almost like your spirit man is so intimidated. But yet this person standing before you obviously isn't Bill Johnson, you know? And so you're like, I don't understand this. I don't understand how this is operating. And, um, and John and I, um, actually had this happen to us in our church. And, um, and so we had one-on-one, um, um, experience with it. Um, we had, uh, we had somebody who was in leadership who had this spirit. Again, it wasn't the person, loved the person, but, but it, was a, it was a spirit. It was a hindering spirit, and we couldn't put our finger on it. But all we knew is that when we're around it, we didn't feel the freedom to be ourselves, and we, didn't, we felt like um, that if we said anything or did anything, that there would be a correction to us, and we're the head, you know, there was just there was just a lot of uh, manipulation and control, especially with the people that were around this person. Um, I want to talk to you now. There's Jezebel in the in the New Testament that is actually a person, and there's Jezebel in the Old Testament that is actually a person. And both of them, the Lord talks to both of them. And he's talking about them in the context of of how they are operating to shut down um, the prophets and shut down uh, the people of God. Okay. Um, and I say that to tell you, this is important. If he's got 
a woman named Jezebel in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that are both operating in the same manner, and he addresses it very clearly in, in both uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, then we know we need to pay attention. Um, okay, we're going to turn in your Bible to 1 Kings 18. We're going to talk about the showdown between um, Jezebel and Elijah. Are y'all doing good? The thing is, in order for there to be a Jezebel spirit, there has to be an Ahab. Now, most of us think of Ahab as being weak, right? We're thinking this guy, you know, he's got a wife that's really strong, really powerful. And by the way, this doesn't have anything to do with a woman being strong, okay? This has nothing to do with the, a woman uh, 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 voicing. It doesn't, it's a spirit. Um, and, and, it's, and it's operating in the wrong spirit. I know, I know, it just, I have so many friends that are really strong women who are doing great things for the kingdom. They're either in business, they're, you know, presidents of companies, they're running ministries. I mean, very strong. Don't have the Jezebel spirit. It's not that. Um, Okay, let's talk about Ahab for a minute. Um, you see, the thing about a Jezebel spirit is there has to be, there's, Jezebel spirit wants to control. It has to have an Ahab in order to control because Ahab is the one that gets controlled. Now, Ahab, um, he, was, he was the king of Israel, and um, a lot of us, when we think of Ahab, we think of a guy that's kind of a wimp that, you know, he's got this really powerful, strong wife that has totally taken control of the marriage. But, but let me tell you something about this, this king. Did you know that he conquered more land for Israel than King David? He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was actually very highly esteemed. And what happened is that he had, um, he had a lot of influence because he'd conquered a lot of land. And so Jezebel, she was the daughter of a Sidonian king. And in order to make an alliance with, with um, Ahab, her, her father gives her to Ahab for a wife. So, um, and, and, and I've, I've read and I've heard, uh, heard it said that, um, that, she actually had a very controlling mother, and then she's rejected or abandoned by her father by giving her away. Now, what she does is she takes the occultic uh, practices that she had in uh, Sidonia, and she brings them with her to Israel. She sets up 850 occultic prophets in uh, uh northern Israel, which is uh, Judah, okay? So she sets up these prophets, 850. And the, the word said that they dined with her, 850 on the payroll. I mean, really, how many prophets do you need to tell you what you want to hear? Can you imagine that, that adoration fest? Tell me how great I am. Tell me how wonderful I am. Tell me all good news. Tell me what I want to hear. These guys were, were uh, demonized occultic uh, prophets. And um, the word said that when she arrived and she began to set all this up, um, this worship to Baal, that she actually got her new husband, Ahab, to do the same. And in fact, because of the spirit that was on her, not only did he oblige to worship them, but he also set up an altar to them in the house of Baal or in the um, temple of Baal. 
And so the word said that, um, that Ahab went and served Baal and worshiped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which was built in Samaria. Okay, and then it goes on. The word goes on to say, as uh, the Lord Israel uh, lives. No, wait, 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 wait. Um, that the Lord, uh, the Lord, that Ahab provoked the Lord to anger more than any of the kings before him because of this behavior. So he has a woman that comes in, and because he's, you know, it's interesting because an Ahab, what an Ahab does is that when you tolerate this spirit, you're actually fueling the spirit. It's actually creating, the spirit begins to grow. Think about having 850 on the payroll that are all worshiping Baal in, in, in Israel. And it's not that Ahab didn't love God because he did love God, but there was such a mixture there. He loved God so much that he named his three children names of, of God, names that were, that were, is, uh, that were um, honoring to God. Uh, the God of Abraham. So, I mean, it's not that, but he was split and double-minded. I'm worshiping here. I'm worshiping here. Okay. So God sends Elijah to declare to Ahab that he will proclaim judgment on the land. And it says this in 1 Kings 17. As the Lord God of Israel lives before who I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So what happens is the heavens seal up, there is no rain in the land. Then after three years, it talks about Elijah and his journey and how he's traveling and he's, um, you know, miracles and wonders and the widow and the oil and, you know, raising the dead. So after three years, the Lord tells Elijah, I want you to present yourself again to Ahab because I'm about to lift the judgment on the land. And so Elijah um, goes to meet Ahab, and I love this. Um, I love the tale of this because he meets Obadiah on the way. And Obadiah is supposed to actually be, he's got like, he's supposed to be going out looking for water. And he runs into Elijah. And at this time, um, oh, by the way, uh, Jezebel has killed uh, most of God's prophets, pretty much looking for Elijah, right? So Obadiah runs into Elijah, and he's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> and, and Elijah tells Obadiah, hey, I want you to go tell Ahab I'm on my way. And he needs to come meet me. And Obadiah goes, uh, I'd really rather not do that because if I tell him, then God will like make you disappear and I'll still be standing there and he's going to kill me. So, uh, so, you know, I mean, he knew that um, um, Jezebel had been killing all the prophets because he had been hiding a lot of them, Obadiah. So anyway, um, so Elijah meets Ahab, and this is what Ahab says to him in verse 17. Oh, chapter 18, verse 17. Ahab says, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Now, here's the thing. What the spirit, what this Jezebel spirit does is actually, as uh, Jezebel and Ahab are the ones in sin. And the spirit of Elijah is the one bringing the truth of the Lord. The spirit of Jezebel twists and turns what the truth is and says, you're the problem. The church is the problem. Those prophets are the problem. It's not us. It's not our sin. 
It's not what we're doing in the land, but it's you. You're the problem. And twists it and actually has everybody believing that, it's, that it is Elijah that is creating the situation, which is true. He was creating the judgment in the land, but he was doing it because God said, you need to go in there and straighten this out. Amen? All right, and Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your sin or your father's house in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and 450 of the prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of um, Asherah and that eat, who eat at Jezebel's table. So he's like, all right, listen, I'm going to set this up and on the mountain, we're going to have a showdown. I love this. I don't know if he had like a six shooter on his hip or what, but I do know he had a sword because he actually used it later. All right. So anyway, here come here comes the showdown, and he has all of the false prophets, all of the occultic prophet, uh, prophets, build an altar, and he said, "All right, you call your god, and see what happens." So they start really early in the morning, and they're crying out and they're calling God. La 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 la. Oh, the day passes. The sun is going down. Still nothing. And I love this. This is actually one of my favorite parts because it really shows me the sense of humor of Elijah. In, in verse 27, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is meditating or maybe he's busy or maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. Don't you love that? You're like, I don't know. Where's that guy? I mean, he's so, he has so much confidence. He has so much boldness. He has so much, he knows his God. Amen? All right, so, so then uh, nothing happens. They actually start cutting themselves and start bleeding themselves. Oh, la-di-da. Nothing happens. And so Elijah said, all right, my turn. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build, I'm going to, he actually goes over to the altar of the Lord and he rebuilds it. And he puts on there uh, the sacrifice and the wood. And then he has uh, the servants dig a trench around it. And he said, now I want you to pour water on the sacrifice. Oh, wait, I want you to pour water on the sacrifice again. (laughs) Okay, I want you to pour a sacrifice another time. I mean, think about this. I mean, everybody's standing around. He's got all of Israel. He's got 850 prophets. The false prophets are over there bleeding going, can I have a band-aid? You know, and, 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 and he's over there just really mocking them. Wait, let's pour the water again. All right. So he's got it good and wet. It is saturated. The wood is saturated here. You've got this, this, this uh, ditch all the way around it filled with water. And he's like, okay, I'm going to pray. He says, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all of these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Isn't that amazing? that they have turned their hearts back to you. And God from heaven released fire that fell on the water and the sacrifice. And it said that it lapped up the water. How many times have you seen fire 
lap up water. I have it. But that, that verb that he used there is something like it drank it, like the fire began to drink it. Now, it didn't, it, we, knew, we know the ingredients that were in that water. There wasn't gas in that water. There wasn't like lighter fluid, you know? We know the ingredients and nothing in that water would have burned. Have you ever tried to burn wet wood? Yeah, you're going to be there all day. So what happened is that the nation of Israel fell on their faces and repented. Because the word of God said, if my people who are called by my name will uh, turn from their ways and repent, I'll heal their land. And so afterwards, after they repented, uh, Elijah said, all right, prophets of Baal, follow me over here. We're all going to line up, and I'm going to kill all of you. So he kills all 850. That's a busy day. (laughs) And then he prays to God, and, 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 and the skies open up, and it starts off as this little bitty cloud the size of a fist. And it begins to grow and grow and grow. And he says to Ahab, you better get in your chariot and get on back to Jezreel where Jezebel is because you're going to get stuck in the mud. You know, and I mean, they haven't seen rain in three years. So he does that. And um, actually, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins. And I was like, what? (laughs) Hello. So, uh. He gets there to where um, Jezebel is. And Ahab, what is he doing? We should call him Ahab the tattler. Because he's over there saying, well, you're never going to believe what happened. Elijah, the troubler of Israel, just killed all of your prophets. And she says this. Tell him that I'm going to kill him. All right, that's, a, that's like one sentence. She doesn't go, she doesn't elaborate. It doesn't elaborate. Not, I'm going to kill him this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut off his head. I'm going to de- de-limb him. No, there's no threats. It's a statement and a declaration. And let's see what he does. Because there are signs of the Jezebel spirit, and there are... Um, there is a way when the Jezebel spirit is in the land, it will affect you in these ways. Now, there are nine signs of a Jezebel spirit. And again, um, how this operates, and this has been my experience. This is what I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me. It doesn't say it in the word, but this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me. When women are operating in the Jezebel spirit, they uh, undermine. When men are operating in the Jezebel spirit, they overthrow. Here are nine signs of the Jezebel spirit. Uh, Rebellion, rejection, pride, arrogance, over-spirituality, while always giving you a list of their resume and spiritual exploits, over-complimentary, like you cannot avoid the compliments. The compliments come, they're not even like, you're like, wow, you really had to dig for that one. Um, Manipulation, control, and uh, the ninth is divisiveness. Okay, number one, rebellion. Number two, rejection. It is really, the it is rejection that creates all of this. 
it is a, a heart and a that that, that feels rejected. So therefore, they feel like they have to control the situation. Um, so rebellion, rejection, pride, arrogance. So meaning they don't really have a teachable spirit. There, there's, a, you know, so you try to correct or you try to, and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm actually more spiritual than you are. And that's what, when John and I um, encountered this, this spirit, that, that was actually what was being told to us. Um, uh, over-spirituality and over-complementary. Um, manipulation and control and divisiveness. Um, and also in the divisiveness, creating a consensus against authority. Um, okay, now there are seven effects of the Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit works together with two other spirits, is what I've found. One is the Python spirit, and the other is the Leviathan spirit. What the Python spirit does is the Python spirit chokes the prophet. It silences the voice, and it doesn't mean that the prophet can't necessarily speak, but when the prophet does speak, it feels like the words are like Mickey Mouse, like all of a sudden the, 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 the influence has been hindered and it's brought down because the Jezebel is lauding itself over, that spirit lauds itself over, and, and so that's how the python works, by, by, by minimizing the authority that's on the prophet. And the prophet can actually feel it. You can feel it when you walk in the room and you're like, whoo, I don't know what's in this room, but I know that I am intimidated right now and I can barely get my words out. Do y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, the second is the Leviathan spirit, which twists communication. It takes what you're saying and it'll turn it and twist it, saying that the motivation of the heart is evil. I mean, when, when, when we experienced this, all of the, everything we were saying was being twisted and turned and we were like, no, 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 that's not what we meant. And so there was a, there was a judgment on, and, and, uh, on the motivation of the heart that the motivation of the heart was evil of, of the spirit of Elijah when in fact it's not. It's authentic and, and pure and loving and helpful. And, but anyway, it, it, so all of that, all of the communication gets twisted. And that's what's happening on a national level right now. It's like, no, 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 no. I didn't do that. I did this. And when I did that, it was the other thing. And when I, you know, it's like listening to Pinocchio and Shrek, right? When they were like, when he was like, you know, do you know where Shrek is? Well, I don't mostly know where he couldn't maybe be because the almost the, that I thought that maybe he wasn't in the place that he shouldn't have been. What are you talking about? You know, you know, did you know about Benghazi or not? Come on. <laughs> Okay, um, so as long as you have authority, the spirit will try to attach itself to you. Um, Robert Morris of Gateway actually did great teaching on this, and he was teaching to pastors. And, and after John and I went through this, and we had a huge church split uh, over it, um, uh, we found out that how, much, how prevailing this is with senior leadership and I feel like we need to talk about this and we need to preach on this so that the people of God are aware and not caught surprised. 
I mean, John and I just thought everybody was nice in the body of Christ. And then we all had, you know, but no, the devil does not play fair. We found that out the hard way. But anyway, um, so uh, Robert Moritz said this, the most subtle way that the Jezebel spirit gets into the leader's life is through a friend or a close associate. And that's not just for the church. That's also uh, in business. They want to be your best friend. And um, they feel called to you. They feel called to minister to you. They feel called to, by God to serve you. And they feel called to be your intercessor. I feel called to be your intercessor. And um, one of the things that I found with this, in, in our particular case, is that this, this person, this spirit that came on this person, um, began to... Uh, feel like they were there to keep us from ourselves. That they needed to keep us on the right road. That it was their job to protect the ministry against us. And just in case we became deceived or we became, and they, they began to say that, that the things and the choices that we were made making were wrong and, that, and then we uh, kind of took them at issue with the way that they were acting. And boy, when you go to uh, confront the spirit of Jezebel, whoo, you better get ready for a firestorm. That's fun. And again, John and I now have a lot of more experience at this and we've overcome, so praise the Lord. We've got jackets. All right, here's the deal. Um, we have people that work here and we have intercessors here. Um, but, uh, and I have one particular intercessor who's a mother in the Lord that wakes up at 4 a.m. every morning and prays for me. Um, but, uh, you know, we have intercessors that pray for the church, but I just don't need a lot of people. And I love what Robert Morris said. He said, I don't need a lot of people carrying my bags. I, I mean, I'm here, we're here. And Gary will tell you this as, as senior leaders, we're actually here to serve you. We're here to love you and to help you and to encourage you and to strengthen you and to warn you and to help you and, 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 and to carry not just a, a, a staff to pastor, but a rod to correct and begin to, so what, that you will, so, and to keep the wolves out. Amen? All right, so here are seven effects of a Jezebel spirit. <clears throat> And this is what happened to Elijah. Now, she says, I'm going to kill you. And so what does he do? <laughs> now, he just slaughtered 850. Think about the boldness, the mocking, the, the repeated, you know, I'm going to pour water. I'm going to pour water. I'm going to pour water. I mean, this guy has so much courage, so much chutzpah, for those of you that are Jewish. <laughs> anyway, uh, he, so, so he's just, he's just made of it. He has just an inner core of steel. You know, we're all wanting to be like him. And, uh, but she said, I'm going to kill you. And he does this. He tucks tail and runs. Not because I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to kill you. And it comes and it's a spirit and it has a murdering spirit. I can tell you with John and I, when we when we encountered this and we stopped tolerating it and we began to have our own showdown with this particular spirit, it had a spirit of murder and rage attached to it. And we found that it influenced a lot of people around it that began to adopt that same rage and murder. 
people that we knew loved us, who we loved, and we were, we were family. But all of a sudden, something came over them that clouded their thinking and their minds and their eyes, and all of a sudden, they couldn't see what was true. And you could, you could talk right to them. And John, it's, John and I were like, we were telling them, but you love us. We love you. We, we have a list of, of emails from you recently of you telling us how thankful you are, how much you, we love you. We love you. That's all we kept saying. We don't understand. But, and there was no rationality behind the th- even the things that they were saying to us in the accusations. And in fact, John and I, um, we submitted ourselves not just to our board of elders through this whole process, but also leadership in the city saying, is there anything here? And in fact, we even had a joint meeting with this, these, some of these people and, and uh, leadership in the city. And, and afterwards, the leadership of the city said to us, Terry Moore being one of the primary, we said, do you see anything here? Are we in sin? Is there anything? And they said, there's absolutely nothing here. You know, you just need to be very careful about who you put in authority and who, you, you know, you put in leadership. And so it was like, okay, note taken. Won't ever do that again. <laughs> Okay, so the first is fear. When they began to come, I mean, I was gripped. John can tell you, we were gripped with fear. I mean, I had no nails left. I was just like, I can't even believe how scared I am. And, and, um, and uh, the second is isolation. Now, when Elijah heard the news, the first thing he did was run. And he began to isolate and cut himself off from uh, even his servant, he just left his servant high and dry. Peace out, I'm going, she's going to kill me. Good luck with that. But the other is isolation. And I felt like drawing away and, and, um, and it wasn't like, oh, hey, I want to draw away and be with the Lord. No, it was like, I'm going to go eat a gallon of, of, of mint chocolate chip in the corner and, and feel sorry for myself and watch t- reruns of Friends or something. I don't know. Anything to just put my brain and my, my spirit on pause. And that actually could continue for a very long time. I realize we're going long. Are y'all with me? I've just got a few more. All right. All right. Uh, the next is um, exhaustion, where you can hardly keep going. And it's just like all of a sudden, it's, it's not even like a human. If, who all knows me? I am an energizer battery. I can go and go and go and go and go and go. And it doesn't stop. Usually at 2 a.m., I'll just be like, and I'll fall down. John will tell you. And then I'll wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm like, and John's like, but, but, but when the spirit of, of Jezebel starts coming in, all of a sudden, you're just like, I'm so tired. Actually, the message version of, of chapter 19, um, verse 5, it said, Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. That actually says in the message Bible that he was exhausted. And he collapsed under the broom tree. And so, so here he was. He had all of this energy, all of this uh, vitality. He is the man of the hour. And Jezebel says one sentence to him, I'm going to kill you. And w- look what happens. Exhaustion. That's another um, attribute or another um, effect of the Jezebel spirit. The other is um, thoughts of suicide. Um, 
In verse 6, Elijah said this, he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on, on coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. Um, oh, wait, I may have missed it. No, here I am um, in, in verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. I mean, this guy, I mean, think about the reputation that he had. They knew who he was all throughout Israel. He did great things for God. He was God's man of the hour. He had been anointed. I mean, shutting up the heavens, guys, and then opening the heavens. And then he says, I want to die. But I can tell you, when this spirit starts moving around, I started having thoughts of suicide. I don't ever have thoughts of suicide, ever. But I began to think, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I just, uh, I, I love what Robert Moore said. I just, heaven began to look really good. I was like, oh, just think, I won't have to work so hard. It's just rest, I can rest. But in genuineness, these thoughts begin to prevail. But that's what that spirit does. It begins to talk to you. Why don't you just end it? You could just end it. And you can make a will. You can start planning. Da 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 da. La 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 la. Those are not your thoughts. So that's another um, symptom that, uh, that the Jezebel spirit is oper in operation. The other one is a desire to quit. I mean, I can't tell you, when this thing starts coming on me, I want to resign. I want to quit. I want to go home. I want to plant a garden. And guys, let me tell you something. This is my baby. God audibly spoke to me, audibly, and said, I want you to rebuild my temple. And then I have a prophetic history over the last 10 years of him saying, this is the blueprint. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I want you to do. And this came through several people confirmed by several voices over and over and over. The thought of me quitting is ridiculous. I never think that way. I love what I do. I love you. I love this house. I love this city. I have been called by God to birth something in this city, and, and that is you. That is us. That is the spirit of Elijah that will begin to advance in the days to come and now. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to walk away. But it says, uh, quit, just give it up. The other is, um, now, I did not particularly experience this, but I've heard it from several other voices, that when the um, Jezebel spirit comes, you begin to get all these strange sicknesses, um, bizarre sicknesses, and bizarre accidents, like accidents not just you, but also your children. And he said, uh, primarily, he finds that it is in the area of the sinuses, as far as the sicknesses, like sinus infections over and over and over. And he said that because the nose is actually a symbol for, this, for discernment, and it, it, the, all of the senses, the five senses, each one of them has a different spiritual meaning, but the nose is actually uh, that of discernment. And so he said what the, what the spirit of Jezebel will do is it will hamper our discernment so that we can't discern what she's doing and, or what he's doing. Yeah, that's what uh, Robert Morris said. And then the other is perverted sexual thoughts. 
So I began to have, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with y'all, just so you know, and I'm telling you this because this is what we need to know. When, when these things begin to happen we'll, in, in, in bulk that we'll know that something else bigger is going on. Um, I began to have these, these perverted sexual thoughts and I, I'm not, I've never, I mean, I don't even, I mean, pornography, it's not even on my radar. I don't think about, I just, you know, I, I have a very, I've had and ha, and continue to have a very pure lo- a prayer life and pure sexual life. And so that has never been a problem for me, but all of a the sudden these, these, these twisted uh, perverted sexual thoughts began to come into my mind. And I'm like, that's not me. That is not me. And so in conglomeration or in connection with all of these others, I began to know that, um, that I, I was at a war. I was in a war. And, and so um, here's the key to victory. The key to victory, um, he tells us very clearly, is not to tolerate it, not to allow it. So here's what we do. We address the person. And bottom line is, um, if he or she doesn't repent, then uh, we remove them from leadership and we remove them from any personal influence. And that's what John and I had to do. Um, and it's interesting to me, even with all of the evidence of, of, of uh, the spirit of Jezebel in this person's life, um, there was uh, a lack of interest. And it was really interesting because during the meeting that we were having, I saw um, um, Terry and, um, and another leader in the body of Christ in Dallas. And they actually sat on the edge of their chair and purposely leaned towards this person because there was so much um, intimidation they pushed against that spirit physically. And I've never seen anybody do that. I've never seen anybody actually physically move themselves towards that spirit. And they said, listen, have you ever uh, heard about um, um, Jezebel spirit? And they, I, I, and I think they said something else, Cora or something. And, um, and, um, but we ended up parting ways and, um, and, and couldn't do life together anymore. Which for John and I was, we were just, you know, heartbroken, and it, and it hurt so many people in our family. This this spirit comes to absolutely destroy God's people, um, and so it hurt a lot of our leadership. It hurt a lot of our body, um, and but God is is faithful, and God has fully restored not just John and I, but it's restored our family. It's restored those that we love so dearly that were hurt by it. Um, and there's just been, there's been um, even a closer relationship with us and, and covenant, um, just knowing that we all o- overcame. And so, um, again, this person felt called by God to kind of keep me accountable um, but the Holy Spirit's pretty good at getting me here. I think he's pretty good at keeping me and moving me on, right? Um, here's the thing that the word says in uh, Revelation 2. He said, listen, if you don't deal with this, I'm going to deal with you. Now, this is a pretty strong statement. And so I take it very seriously. 
um, about this spirit because when I begin to see this operating at the highest levels of government, I know that it's operating at the highest levels of the church, at the highest levels of business. And I've seen people in business who have partners who have this spirit. It is a hindering spirit and it keeps the other partner from realizing the provision and the wealth and the success that is, that is promised to them. And I've seen someone very close to me actually was in a partnership with a Jezebel, someone that had a Jezebel spirit, a man. And once that, that, uh, that partnership was broken, I saw the, the person with the spirit of Elijah soar, soar. In every way, there was so much freedom, not just financially, but also all of the sudden, the person that they were began to come alive on the inside. See, again, it is a, it, it hinders and it distorts on the inside and on the outside, right? So it's immorality and idolatry, right? So um, anyway, so if you're, if you feel that you were going to pray for it in just a minute, um, the Lord very clearly in Revelation 2 said, if you don't deal with this, he will remove you and put someone else in your position because he had Elijah after this whole situation happened, he kind of got him out of the cave and he's like, all right, there's 7,000 others. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. And he said, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to anoint these two kings and I want you to anoint Elisha. So it was them that dealt it was Jehu that then, and Elisha that then dealt with Jezebel and Ahab. And so he's like, if you don't deal with this, Elijah, because he should have taken that sword and th thrust her under when he had the opportunity, but he ran. And so he said, if you will not tolerate this, uh, there's a great reward for you to overcome in Revelation 2. And it says, you will actually rule the nations with a rod of iron. I will give you tremendous authority if you overcome this. But if you don't, I'm actually going to take you out and replace you with someone that I am going to give a double anointing to, and they are going to do it. They are going to fulfill my charge to take Jezebel out of the land. And as for me and my house, we are going to stand in this hour with the spirit of Elijah, and we are going to speak the truth of God, and I am going to address what I see going on in the nation, in my city, in my family, in this church, and in the lives of people around me. Because the bottom line is, I want us, I want us all to walk in freedom. And I even want those that have this spirit and function in the spirit to have an opportunity to repent because Lord knows that's not good to carry that spirit around. I'm telling you, right? All right, so if you're dealing with this and you know you're dealing with this, whether it's in business, whether it's in ministry, or whether it's personally or in your family, I want you to stand because I want to pray for you. I believe that today is a day where we can repent for tolerating this spirit. And the word says that if we submit ourselves to you, Lord, and we resist Satan, that you will come. And so just in your own, in your own um, voice, you don't have to say it loudly or whatever. Just repent to the Lord for tolerating this spirit Yeah, God, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Come. 
I just thank, I just thank you, God, that you are faithful to heal us, that when we repent, everything changes. Guys, I'm telling you, when John and I repented of this, everything began to change. When we began to say, no, we're not going to tolerate this spirit, everything began to change for us. So, Father, I just thank you, God, for your healing power. I thank you, Father. I rebuke rejection. I rebuke fear. I rebuke control. I rebuke the spirit of Python. I rebuke the spirit of Leviathan that has come to try to twist your words. I rebuke that Python spirit that has grabbed hold of your throat and has cut off the influence of your words in your life. I rebuke the spirit of, of Jezebel that has come in to try to kill the prophet that you are and the voice that you you have that is supposed to be released in this city and over this nation. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for these prophets. I thank you, Father, for a newness of life. Would you come and refresh them in the areas where they have been exhausted, where they have wanted to give up, where they have wanted to quit? God, I just thank you and we honor you that by your blood we are cleansed and we are healed. And I pray all of this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen.